Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and the NFL playoffs continue on. We'll break down the divisional round from a betting angle here. All of our top spread bets, over-under bets. Uh, we'll give you a teaser, money line parlay. And uh, we're going to jump right into the Sunday six-pack. Uh, but before we do, just want to remind you guys to download the free Action Network app for real-time odds, box scores, and the capability to track every bet that you make. Without further ado, let's get into the Sunday six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. First-time listeners, welcome. What up? Long-time listeners, thank you for continuing to tune in. The six-pack, our top three bets. We draft them, so we can't choose the same side. We could choose the same game. We've opened it up a little for the playoffs. First half lines, things like that, are all in play. Stuck. Welcome. How's it feel to be a married man for a week? And what's going on? Nothing feels just the same, to be honest, but uh, <laughs> it's like turning a new year uh, with your age and birthday. I don't, I don't really feel any different, but it's uh, a new decade. I'm trying to get out of like a three-week slump, so this is a slump buster week for me. Last week was just, I mean, I, I, for this podcast, I was all in with the Eagles game, and of course, Wentz, which was basically the entire Eagles offense, goes down, and there goes any shot of the Eagles. But, I mean, the Seahawks luck. I mean, it's almost inevitable that the Seahawks are going to – Rodgers is going to get hurt in the first drive, and the Seahawks of all teams are going to end my Packers' future. Hey, man, it, it's inevitable that I was going to take a commanding lead. That's what was inevitable. Well, you're only up 52-50. I know, right? I know, I know. Luckily, the over in <laughs> the, the Saints game didn't yeah, hit me. Oh. Uh, I mean, the two, my two biggest takeaways, the NFL, just a joke with all the rules again. I mean, look, you try and put all these rules in with the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks still get hurt. And I don't even necessarily think it was a dirty hit. But then you're also calling, like, personal fouls when you just shove a quarterback, like they shove Wilson. You try, like, come on. And then they try to get P.I. right. This was the time to go to review. Even if you don't think it should have been P.I., appease the Saints fans. Like, this is the exact situation that you put the rule in for that you tortured us by going to reviews all year and just saying it stands. So do it again. Go to the review and then just say, not enough, it stands, play call. Like, come on. A one-second review for the season to determine who goes on? It was just like one second they radioed down. It was like, nah, it's good. Peace. If I was a Saints fan, I'd be livid. My other rant is... All right, let it out. This is your rant of the week. If I was a Saints fan, I'd also be pissed about my head coach, who was apparently drunk. I mean, that's some of the worst clock management I've seen in my entire life. The end of both halves cost his team about 40, 50 seconds. I felt like a broken record. I tweeted, you could have used those 40 seconds, huh, Sean, at the end of the first half and at the end of the second half. You know, cost his team maybe two touchdowns. They missed a long field goal in the first half. Go to overtime, then you lose a coin toss. Coin toss is so dumb in, in NFL overtime. But 
credit the cousins for going down and uh, hitting that past the feeling. And uh, here we are. I, so I just did a, uh, a piece on my quarterback confidence ratings for the divisional round. It's up at action network right now, ActionNetwork.com, And I, I might do one for, for the coaches, maybe next round, maybe even this one. I mean, like if, if I'd done one for the wild card round, is there any doubt that Sean, that Sean Payton, like against the Vikings, especially like he would have been near the bottom of that list, if not the bottom. I mean, this is the Vikings duty in the postseason is to come in here and knock off the Saints and, like, open up the NFC to either, like, a hope of, like, one of these legacy guys like Wilson or Rodgers or, or the new blood kind of getting in there. Like, that is the Vikings' duty when they get to the postseason. So. Yeah, they were complete. the Saints were completely <laughs> unprepared, not only from clock management, but just the one thing I liked about Peyton is he's aggressive, right? So, fake punt. Well, no, there was a penalty. Uh, <laughs> they didn't look prepared at all. So, credit to the Vikings, who one of the reasons I like the over – one of the reasons that I thought the Saints would win was that the Vikings can't really get pressure up the middle. And that's how – it's the only way you can really throw Breeze off his game. What did Zimmer do? He put Hunter and Griffin up the middle. He blew up the weak area of that Saints offensive line, and they just caused havoc in the backfield. Breeze looked lost. Taysom Hill was the best quarterback that day. Yeah, I said that. I was like, like Kirk Cousins outdueled Taysom Hill last week. It was, it was great. Great game by Cousins. Tough to outdo Taysom. But uh, let's get into our picks. I mean, if you're okay, I think we should just do each pick. We could do two points. But I, I like this 3-2-1, man, like I don't know which pick I feel the best about. Let's do 2-2-1 two, two, then. That, so like one, the least confident one is the last yeah. one. Let's do it. Start us off. And by the way, let me just cross off weather real quick because people are going to be – it's January. Ravens, Titans, look out for rain and wind. 49ers game, maybe a little rain and win. Chiefs, no weather to, to worry about. Packers, Seahawks, no weather to worry about. It's just going to be I freezing mean, cold. You don't even have to mention the weather in, in wind and rain and Titans, Ravens, because there's going to be approximately zero dropbacks combined by both teams in that game. Well, there'll be, there'll be some dropbacks on play action, but that's about <laughs> it. Um, that is the play action bowl, which we'll get to later. All right, I'm going to start off with the aforementioned Vikings and go with the Vikings – San Francisco 49ers under 45-44 as my top. 44 and a half 44, right 44.5 for, for you haters right. out there. 45, 44 and a half, same thing for because pushes yeah. don't mean anything. You know, there's a, a couple reasons why I like this. And, and let me first say this. The bye week, historically, you would think, oh, look, the bye, it's, it's really meaningful to these teams. They have extra prep. And even this week, the, the Vikings played on a Sunday. Short week now playing on a Saturday. Fly back to Minnesota, go to San Fran. But historically, you know, teams off of a bye playing a team with only six days rest, they're only four and five against the spread. But that's meaningless sample size. In the regular season, teams off of a bye, 52.6% against the spread, covering by about a half a point. Divisional round off of a bye, 27, 36, and one. Only 42%, 42.9% of the time, not covering by over a point a game. Divisional round is a favorite, 24, 36, and one. 40%. Touchdown or more favorite in the divisional round off of a bye, 12, 20, and 1. Not covering by an average margin of about four points per game. So I'm just going to get the for you trend people out of the way because some of these trends are important. I think I actually have an article coming out about meaningful trends, which I think they can mean something <laughs> this round, like quarterbacks, co- some coaching trends, coaching's off, coaches off a of bye. We'll, I'll get to that later. And then this buy, I think the buy is just generally overvalued. And look, I know that the Vikings had a short rest, and but they also took off week 17, which I think really helps here. You know, they, they rested all of their starters. But we got to go back to what we said last week of first-time quarterbacks in the NFL playoffs in their first start have been absolutely horrifying against the spread. 
Except Ryan Tannehill. Yes, except Ryan Tannehill. Uh, by the way, the Patriots, <laughs> not even worth talking about. They yeah, were it's, it's, it's not. Let's not. Let's um, not. <laughs> yeah, so first-time quarterbacks. They're one and two weekend. They're 15 and 32 straight up, 13, 33 and one against the spread since 2002. So they have not fared well. And also, if you look at those games, unders have been a cash cow. Guess what happened last weekend? Unders went 3-0 and in those games. The unders have hit about 62% in those games. So all the pressure's on Jimmy G here. Kirk Cousins going in there with free money now. You know, he's – look, he, he won his so-called big game. He's not expected to win this game. Not expected to win – all the pressure's on San Fran here. But let's get to the under. And those are some of the reasons why – Teaser alert. Are you taking are you taking the uh the Vikings as well as your second most confident? Because you can just go ahead and talk about both of them. Those yeah, I'm gonna do the Vikings yeah. as my third, so I'll cover them yeah. both off now. Yeah, you um, might as well. All right. The one concerning thing is that there, you know, today popped up on the injury report, Adam Thielen with an ankle injury. Limited in practice. How serious is that? I don't know. So obviously if Thielen is out, it does limit their offense a little bit. But let's get to the defenses here. You know, if you look at both defenses, they're Excellent. And they don't give up any explosive plays. Neither defense. Both defenses excel, keeping everything in front of them. The 49ers might be able to run the ball a little bit, but the Vikings, you know what they do really well? They defend the run and they cover tight ends. Number one in the NFL covering tight ends because they have the best group of safety and linebackers in coverage in the NFL. Why is that so big here? Well, against George Kittle. That's massive. So they cover the run really well. Look, they didn't have a ton ton of time to game plan. Linville Joseph should be back also for the Vikings, which will help in the middle. Because the 49ers are really healthy across the board, except that center where Richburg is out and, and, and guard. So you might see Hunter and Griffin come in the interior again. Now, it's not going to be a surprise, but if they can blow up the pocket, because if you look at Jimmy G's numbers and Drew Brees' numbers, they're eerily similar as far as how, you know, their offenses are kind of similar in how they throw the ball. Jimmy G only attempted a deep pass on about 6% of his passes in the air. That's so low. I mean, Russell Wilson and, and Rodgers are at like 16%. Stafford's at like 18%. So this isn't a, an offense where they're going to ch- chuck it down the field. He, he's getting the ball out quick. So like Breeze, you have to get pressure up the middle. Um, that's the only way that you're going to really throw them off. Um, so Vikings really good against the run, really good covering tight ends. I think they're going to get pressure up the middle. Jimmy G's first playoff game, I think there's going to be some nerves. You could have a little wind, not really a factor for me, but it could come into play. And, and by the way, if, if the 49ers move the ball down the field and then Shanahan cooks up this some new run schemes, Vikings, last three years, top five in red zone defense. Red zone defense is always excellent. They tackle really well. Their safeties are really good. And they're just a well-coached defensive unit, um, which is why, you know, they don't really blow a lot of assignments down in the red zone. The other side of the ball, you have this San Fran defense, which I think towards the end of the year, it got a little tired. And that's understandable. You know, they had they didn't have a bye since week four. They were dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, so you saw guys like Buckner. They just looked a little fatigued at the end of the year. So I think the, the bye helps their defense a lot. Now you're adding Tart, that safety back. D Ford, huge, getting him back. And Quan Alexander back. So you're getting three defensive starters back for this week. And if you go back to the first few weeks of the season, the 49ers defense was putting up historic numbers, historic pressure rates. Their pressure rate with D Ford in the lineup is about 10% higher this year. So I think they're going to be able to pressure Cousins, who, by the way, was only pressured eight times, eight times last week against the Saints. You pressure him, you get him off of his spot. You know, they're, they're going to run a lot of play action. It takes them a, you know, a little bit of time to throw the ball in the pocket. So I, and they're going to be able to get pressure while maintaining coverage in the back end. 
Secondary is now healthy. Vikings are going to have to rely a ton on Cook. I think Cook's going to have some success. That is how you move the ball in the 49ers. But uh, Cousins is going to have just – I think they're going to be in his face all day. This defense is going to look like the defense that we saw earlier in the year. So I think both defensive lines dominate this game. You don't see a ton of explosive plays. A lot of running, good red zone defense across the board. A lot of field goals over touchdowns, which I think lends itself to an underplay. And then I'm taking the seven with the Vikings. Um, I think it's just a tad too many points. Fading Jimmy G in his first playoff start here. All the pressures on that side. I think this Vikings defense will keep it close. Um, I think they can get enough pressure and they match up well. That matchup with Kittle is so big that uh, – and the 49ers receivers, you know, they might make a play or two here. Rhodes might blow a coverage and it might lead to, a, uh, you know, a touchdown. But other than that, this defense is solid across the board. So give me the Vikings plus seven for one point and then give me the under 44 and a half for two points. I actually like the other side of this game, so ra- but I'm going to do it as my one-point pick because it's going to essentially be a two-point swing anyway. But I'll talk about it now. Yeah, that's why I did it for one as well. Yeah, yeah, so that we can just move on to our other picks. So we'll do it that way. And we have a piece out right now on Action Network where we give some tips to first-time betters. And one of the things I mentioned is you always want to look and kind of as your starting point kind of say, look at the underdog and say, essentially, why shouldn't I? bet this underdog why shouldn't I take the points that's generally how I like to think of betting so you know that that's kind of how I approached it when I first started the week and I wasn't quite sure which way I was going to end up leaning in this game but the I, I like the 49ers in this game and you kind of hit on it there's no pressure on Kirk Cousins but there will be pressure on Kirk Cousins and what I mean by that is this 49ers team tied for second in pressure rate during the regular season with 28.7 uh, percent now the key here the key why I like the 49ers in this spot is because the way you beat Kirk Cousins is you get pressure without blitzing. The 49ers with that defensive line with Buckner and Armstead and Bosa and all those guys, D4 coming back, they were the fourth uh, least blitz-heavy team in the National Football League this year. So they got the second high, most pressure, and they blitzed at a bottom five rate. And that is exactly, exactly how you beat Kirk Cousins. With that Saints win, that only was his second win this season in, in his starts against a team with a winning record. Um, they're 2-4 and four against teams with a winning record, 2-4 and four against the spread as well. And if you look back at the last time we saw Cousins prior to that, which I thought created some recency bias and why I liked the Vikings last week, um, was that game against Green Bay. And here's what you have to know about Kirk Cousins. He is one of the least blitzed quarterbacks in the league. 22.8%. Uh, most defensive coordinators, they know that you don't beat Kirk Cousins by blitzing him. You beat him by getting pressure without blitzing him. So I'll give you some numbers from the New Orleans game first and then compare it uh, to the Green Bay game to, to, to kind of illustrate my point. In the New Orleans game, uh, they blitzed him nine times. Uh, he had uh, 33 dropbacks. They blitzed him nine times. Uh, he goes six for nine, 122 yards uh, in a touchdown, 13.6 yards uh, per attempt. You go back to that Green Bay game. He had 36 dropbacks in that game. They blitzed him one time, one time on 36 dropbacks, yet they still got pressure 17 times in that game, despite only blitzing once. In that game, Cousins finished 16 to 31, 122 yards, Again, this is against all pressure or not, 3.9 yards per attempt. So when I look at this game, I say, okay, the Saints last week, they were missing Sheldon Rankins and some guys on the interior that could get pressure. So they, they, they dialed up some pressure, generally not a smart strategy against Cousins. This 49ers defense could emulate that Packers game plan to better than the Packers could even do it. Because they, they have all their guys back. And not only, what makes the 49ers so dominant, because besides getting at such a high pressure rate without 
blitzing. They finished number one in the league, the only team better than the Patriots on defense. And this is full season number. So even when their defense kind of fell off with Sherman and Ford missing some games, Quan Alexander, Tart, they still finished number one in the league in net yards per pass attempt, which means it's really per drop back. So essentially, um, once you remove sack yards, 4.8, best in the league. That is a daunting task, I think, for Cousins now uh, on a short week uh, without that two weeks to prepare against Robert Saleh, who, you know, we talk about Shanahan a lot, but, you know, this 49ers defense, excellent. You know, so I think that Kirk Cousins is going to have a lot of issues in this game. And if you look at all the, the, the teams that he lost to and, and the Vikings lost to, it's been the same story. It's that you haven't really blitzed Cousins and he just, whether it's a clean pocket or not, he just kind of takes the underneath throw. He's not challenging downfield. Uh, and he's taking sacks, and the yards per attempt just isn't there. Just 7.1 uh, yards in attempt in his games against winning teams versus uh, well over eight uh, in, in the 10 games they won against bad teams uh, that are 500 or worse. So, like, this game to me just strikes me as one where, like, yeah, it could go either way. I think the line is generally a, probably fair. I just think if it swings one way or the other, uh, there's a much larger likelihood uh, of the 49ers blowing the Vikings out than – I would say there is of the Vikings blowing the 49ers out. And, and, and the, like the, the guys that the Niners are getting back, we can't understate them because Quan Alexander, top 10 in, in coverage uh, from PFF in terms of linebackers. Uh, D4, we know he's one of the best pass rushers. Uh, Jaquiski Tart, weeks 1 to 12 uh, with Tart in the lineup, they ranked uh, number one in success rate allowed to running backs, number two uh, to tight ends, and number two to wide receivers. He plays on – he plays – usually plays – he's back uh, playing safety. Um, that just helps with, with, um, with Richard Sherman and what he's able to do uh, and, and kind of eliminating that area of the field. And if you look at Cousins last week, he had those two big completions to Thielen. 77 – two of two for 77 yards to the uh, deep right part of the field, both completions to Adam Thielen. You take those out, and he's, he's 17 to 29 for, for 5.7 yards uh, per attempt. In the 12 weeks that Tart was there with San Fran, uh, they allowed five completions to that part of the field in, in those 12 games. I think that, you know, combine that with all of these guys that they're getting back fully healthy, being able to get pressure without blitzing, I, I actually don't think the Vikings match up very well with, um, with, with San Francisco at all. Now, I, on the other end, I think it's fair to, you know, you say it is. It is Jimmy Garoppolo's pr- first playoff start. That doesn't make me feel great. I think he will um, commit some mistakes. He will make mistakes. But at the end of the day, this Vikings defense, they live dangerously um, with, the, with, that third, with those third down, with that third down um, dominance, you could say. Because we, when you look at first and second down, which tends to be a little more predictive, uh, you know, there are more first and second downs in a game. Uh, you know, just generally, a, you know, the, the numbers are going to be more predictive going forward. Um, the Vikings defense, surprisingly, not very good. Uh, on early downs against the runner of the pass. And this, this really surprised me because they're actually dead last, allowing a 55% of run success rate on first and second downs. And then they're 24th in pass success rate on first and second down uh, at 51%. I, I get it with Jimmy G. I, the numbers aren't promising, but at the end of the day, I just think that this 49ers defense is going to be able to dominate. Like last week, I mentioned that the Saints schedule adjusted margin of victory was only two points better than the Vikings. So that line was pretty off. If you, if even when you factored in uh, the home field advantage, well, you know, even after you remove the, you know, 49ers is about, is 11 and the Vikings 5.4, you adjust for that Saints win and you remove the Bears meaningless game. And then you factor in the home field and it still should be about seven and a half, eight. So 
this is a spot where don't usually take the, the favorites. You, the underdogs have been better bets, you know, according to the trends. I get that, first-time quarterback. But I, I think this is a severe mismatch in, in terms of defense versus offense. Pretty much the biggest one I, I think I see in a postseason. So that's why I'm rolling with the, uh, the, the Niners here. Tart is, is huge. I mean, there's a lot of communication that's a complex defensive backfield. Tart and Ward were high school teammates. These are two safeties that know each other really well. But what this comes down to, to me, you said it. When in doubt, take the seven or more in the NFL playoffs. It's about it's 60% fair. on the dot since 2003. But what this comes down to, to me, is I think it'll be lower scoring. So seven points then becomes more valuable. And I think both teams are going to get pressure. Look at their season-long numbers. Went under pressure. Cousins, seven touchdowns, one pick, 73% adjusted completion percentage, third in the league. Only sacked 16% of the time. That's 20th um, as far as, you know, be top 10. Jimmy G, five touchdowns, five picks, 68.6 adjusted completion percentage, about 5% less than Cousins, but still top five in the league. Sacked 23% of the time. That's fifth highest. Tends to hold the ball a little longer. At times, you know, he gets rid of the ball generally quick, but sometimes he'll end up holding it, and then he turns it over more than Kirk Cousins. Go back to that game last year when they played each other, and the Vikings won in week one. Obviously, different 49ers team. Jimmy G threw three picks. Cousins didn't mm-hmm. turn the ball over at all. Vikings won 24-16. So where I think that the first start, first playoff start shows up here, is because the Vikings are good at covering tight ends, they're good against the run, they're going to get pressure, and I think Jimmy G is the quarterback that's more likely – based on the stats and based on this being his first playoff game and all the pressure to make a mistake that'll swing this cover. So that's my uh, final argument. I really strongly think that like we're underestimating bad cousins, those pressure numbers. And I looked at them. I'm, I'm actually going, doing a piece um, on pressure and, and, and blitzing um, and how that kind of affects, um, you know, how defenses dictate um, where the offense goes with the ball and how to use it to bet props and things. So look out for that piece on, on Action Network. So I'm actually – I've been looking deep into these numbers. He can beat the blitz. Those numbers don't specify between pressure when a team is blitzing or pressure when they still have seven guys back in coverage. It could get ugly for Cousins and the Vikes. Even if Jimmy G makes a couple of mistakes, I think they have a lot larger margin for error in, in this spot. You're sleeping on Cook, though. That's, that's how you move the ball in the 49ers. And by the way, your 49ers, since they blew out the Packers, five games in December, lost by three, won by two, lost to the Falcons, beat the Rams by three, and uh, should have lost to the Seahawks. And they gave up like 30 points in all those games. I think their defense is a lot better. It's rested. So I think it does show up here. But uh, you mentioned it before. Kyle Shanahan, not great as a favorite against the spread. Like father, like son. Mike Shanahan is the least profitable <laughs> in our database since 2003 by a uh, wide margin. So yeah. I'll just leave that. Kyle Shanahan kind of reminds me of the, the, the Falcons, though, because, I mean, Dan Quinn wasn't really their coach. He was their coach, but he wasn't their coach. Uh, if the 49ers up 28-3, how much are we betting on uh, the Vikings? Uh, uh, none. Nothing because Kirk Cousins sucks. Uh, wait, let's move on because we did spend a lot of time on it. So you got to do one of your two-pointers now. And this is another one where it's kind of – I have two from the same game, so I guess I'll kind of talk about them both. The one I feel better about of the two, I'll say, is uh, I like Packers Seahawks under. 47. Uh, it opened at 46 and a half, dropped, and then I think it got steamed up uh, to 47 again. I don't think that's the, the, the right play. I, I would bet the under, and I think it has a chance to go way under. Uh, and here's why. First of all, Russell Wilson, and he talked about this last week, and this is why I like the under last week. Just removing any other factor, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks have no running game and no offensive line. Uh, you know, Dwayne Brown, their left tackle, he's gone. Justin Britt, they lost their starting center. They're starting Joey Hunt, who's just, just generally overmatched against pretty much anyone he goes up against. Uh, I Eddie believe Coleman. they do 
Yeah, right. They don't have they don't have a a top uh you know thirty two lineman at any position in terms of PFF's grade. So just first and foremost, uh, they have no run game. Travis Homer, I think it was what eleven carries for twelve yards last week. His long was twelve, uh, and then Marshawn Lynch had something like I think five for seven. So. Don't expect them to run, even though the Packers haven't been great in run defense. I think the Packers can kind of address that with scheme to an extent. Um, they, they can play man coverage if they want to with their corners. They have good safeties. Uh, the, the Seahawks, pretty concentrated passing game. I think Metcalf has another good game. I will say that. I think he has a good matchup. But overall, not a spot where I would expect the Seahawks to put up a, a, a lot of points. And then you look at the other side of the matchup. You have Aaron Rodgers and it's like I'm knee deep in NFL stats, whether it be for fantasy, for betting, whatever, all year long. And there, so there's not many times where I am like I look at numbers and I am absolutely stunned uh, by them, you know, in looking back at them. But when I was doing the quarterback confidence piece, you know, Aaron Rodgers, is a guy, you know, you always he's kind of in contention for number one just because he's Aaron Rodgers. So I'm kind of trying to see, OK, what's been going on with Rodgers lately since Devontae Adams has come back. So those eight games, second half of the year. Devontae back, Aaron Rodgers, 5.87 yards per pass attempt. Not net, but like straight up yards per pass attempt. This offense has become a a dink and dunk offense. They get Marquez Valdez scantling pretty much their best, uh, you know, deep ball receiver barely plays anymore. Uh, He got demoted in favor of Alan Lazard, who's better in the run game. And they're leaning on the run game. And, you know, so I I think they will do that against the Seahawks, who are down to 29th over the second half uh, in terms of weighted DVOA, which weights the games, removes weeks one through four and weights the the more recent games more heavily in in terms of schedule-adjusted efficiency. So I think the Packers going to come out run the football, this Seattle offensive line with, with, uh, with, you know, essentially second string, a second string O-line starting. They're not going to be able to handle the Smiths. Again, Packers have good safeties on the back end. Their cornerbacks are able to cover a man if they want to send pressure, which they don't really – I don't even think they have to. I think they're another team that's going to be able to get pressure, um, just like they did in that Vikings game. The last, you know, um, they kind of stumbled around in that, that Lions game, 123-20, but in the la- their last real, like, meaningful, like, ah, you know, game where they really wanted to make a statement, they got pressure a ton on, on Cousins without, without blitzing much. You know, I think they can do the same thing with Russ, kind of contain it, the rush lanes a little better because of it. Um, Seattle's not going to be a threat to run the ball, but they're going to try because they're Seattle. Uh, and so I think that, again, is going to kind of keep the, the first half pretty ugly. We've seen it with the Packers over and over. They can run the ball. Aaron Rodgers will not turn it over. Then they kind of just hold, they kind of just played out the clock. They hold on to these leads, and that they've they've lost a lot of covers in in, in the second half um, because they they really have just kind of turned it off in the second half. So I'm expecting more of that. And then you kind of look at the numbers of these two guys, and despite them being they're rated one two in passer rating all time among quarterbacks with at least as many attempts as either of them. I think it's like uh, Wilson has like a little over 3,500 attempts. So th- like this is going to be billed as a, a matchup of two great quarterbacks. And I think people are going to look to the over because of it. But um, in, term, in terms of third down conversion rate, uh, when, when a quarterback is either uh, attempting, is either dropping back or on, on all plays in which he ran, Wilson and Rodgers rank uh, last among the eight quarterbacks left in the divisional round, 37.7% for Wilson, 36.5% for Rodgers uh, on third down, ranked seven and eight among the, the quarterbacks still alive. So um, these guys, but they, but Rodgers only four picks, Wilson, five picks. They're not going to turn the ball over. They're going to make the right play, even if it means punting. Both of them ha- are interested in running the football. So I, I think this game is going to go 
Uh, under Seattle's defense, also been playing better, actually a little bit above average uh, in terms of DVOA over the second half uh, of the year, getting a little healthier. Uh, and then again, Rodgers just dink and dunk nowadays. I think Adams can rack up catches, but uh, and they'll convert first downs at times, probably timely, but uh, I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. In terms of straight-up quarterbacks, I think at this point you have to be a little more confident in Wilson, but I don't think this game comes down to Wilson. I don't think this game comes down to Wilson versus Rodgers, uh, and that's why I'm, I'm also taking the Packers – minus four, uh, because I think that this game is going to come down to who has the, the better matchup uh, outside of these quarterbacks who are, you know, fairly evenly matched. And I think it's, it's the Packers with Aaron Jones in that running game, because again, the Seahawks number 29 in schedule adjusted efficiency in, in terms of defending the run. They're going to, they're going to play their, their zone and they're going to limit explosive plays, but they're not going to have, they're not going to have an answer for Aaron Jones. They didn't really have one from Miles Sanders on the ground, Boston Scott either last week. So uh, I think that will be the difference in the game. And I just think I, I see this is one of those games kind of like that Rams game. And I think you called this where the Seattle team against a team that can get pressure, especially if they don't have to necessarily um, blitz, it can get ugly for them. And I don't think they're built well to play from behind. I think Green Bay is also more likely to uh, to get up in this one. So rolling with the under 47 and Packers uh, minus four. Yeah. The cheese stands alone. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you said it with the offensive line. Pete Carroll said today Dwayne Brown did a little work but didn't practice. That doesn't sound good. I would, I would be yeah. highly surprised if he played. Yep, you have Justin Britt, their, other, their second best offensive lineman. He's out. Ethan Pochich, who's their backup and, you know, guard center. He's out. And then Ayu Potty didn't practice today. Mm-hmm. He's a second opinion. Their other starting guard. So now you're down to a rookie, I think, Phil Haynes, if there's an injury. And you can't come out with these six-man fronts that you like. And yeah, I agree with you. I mean, what I, I like better is the Packers' first half. I mean, you avoid this Russell Wilson magic. But by the way, the last time these two teams played, I believe the the Packers led 19-7 with, in the 2014 division run. Oh, the yeah. The Packers at home led 19-7 with three minutes to go. And uh, the the Seahawks ended up winning like 28-22 in, in overtime. The Luke Wilson Hail Mary two-point conversion, followed by the, the boss, was it Bostick, I think his name was for the Packers? Onside kick. Uh, muff. Yeah, he fumbled it. Yep, and then mm-hmm. Morgan Burnett had a pick that he didn't return all the way, and he went down, and then the Packers ended up picking, which started it all. But, yeah, so, I mean, what I think this comes down to is, look, they're going to – Pete Carroll come out and said they're going to use Marshawn Lynch more. I mean, the guy's out of breath after one carry. So I don't think that – and the Packers run, D, that is their weakness on paper. Over the last month, you throw out that Detroit game where they didn't show up, the last month and a month and a half, the run defense was a lot better. Go back to that Vikings game. And it really correlates with – they've started to use some different pieces at that safety. They like to play a heavy nickel linebacker. But Kenny Clark has been healthy. Um, and he's been dominant since their bye. So I think that him against Joey Hunt, he can blow up that pocket. They're going to get pressure on the outside. Wilson's going to be under siege. They're not going to be able to run the ball, which is how you attack this Packers run D, which has been better. And the Seahawks, by a lot of metrics, have a worse run D. And the Packers have Aaron Jones. These two teams have the same amount of wins. The Seahawks have led at the half five times this year. Five. That's it. And they, well, they had 11 wins. Uh, the Packers, nine. Um, so the Seahawks team has just been playing from behind. They have to try and come back constantly. But what you, you mentioned with Rodgers not throwing the ball deep, and he's been inaccurate with deep balls. But both quarterbacks do throw it deep as high of a percentage as any quarterback in the NFL. They're both top three. And both defenses are bottom 10 in defending pass explosiveness. Packers really aggressive. But the Seahawks, what I will say is a lot of those numbers with the Seahawks you know, they play a cover three match, which means mm-hmm. it's always a base cover three, and they're going to, once the receivers get down the field, someone's going to take them as a man and man up. Early in the year, and I shit on him all 
you know, the first six weeks of the podcast when I was fading the Seahawks, Tedrick Thompson was one of the worst free safeties in the NFL. Well, now they have Quadra Diggs back there, who's a lot better. And the goal of the Seahawks defense is to prevent big plays um, and keep everything in front of them. Some of their explosive past season-long metrics are because of Thompson's just complete, just shitting the bed early in the season. They were giving blown assignments. They were just giving up big passing plays. So that is the only concern. That they, both these quarterbacks will take deep shots, but I agree with you. I mean, I think that the look is probably under nothing. I'm playing it safer with Green Bay first half minus three. And uh, look, if you want to, for you trend players out there, we have Russell Wilson as a dog, always intriguing, but Aaron Rodgers at home. Oh, yeah. oh my God. I mean, look, the against the spread statistics are, absolutely insane um they'll be in our write-up on uh actionnetwork.com but i mean i think he's like 63 64 percent i'll put it like this the only quarterback in our database since 2003 that's more profitable at home is tom brady that's it um it's tom brady and then aaron Rodgers. 71 and 19 straight up 55 32 and 4 against the spread so so it's 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 ridiculous um and, and to be fair and i actually have wilson uh, ranked one spot above rogers just because of how poorly rogers has been playing uh down the stretch and wilson as an underdog to be fair because i always like to give both sides of these things i think it helps to think about them that way i think you always want to kind of make the case against anything you're betting and then if you still feel confident in it that's when you bet you know whatever side you're, you're looking at um wilson as an underdog in, in his career and it hasn't happened as often but 26 12 and 2 against the spread but 19 20 and one straight up so uh, this is a short spread um, that helps in, in terms of kind of you know ignoring those numbers to some degree with Wilson but at the end of the day I, I don't it's to me it's not about trends it's, this Seahawks uh, O-line is decimated and I think the Packers are just uh they just match up better in terms of they have uh, an edge in in the run game that uh, the Seahawks no longer have yeah, I mean, look, the, the last thing I'll say this, Bulaga, their tackle was cleared in concussion protocol. He'll go. That's important. They have two really good tackles now. The Seahawks don't really get pressure anyway. Nope. You said Packers dink and dunk, feed Jones. Well, that's how you beat the Seahawks. Dink and dunk passes and run the ball. Packers can do that. It'll be interesting to see if Jimmy Graham, who is just a shell of himself, can have a big day because the Seattle really struggles to defend tight ends. Maybe Graham has a, a throwback game or maybe just catches a big ball in the red zone. Um, but he, if, if he can just make a couple big catches, which I don't even know if he's capable of anymore, that's a semi-intriguing prop because it's, if, he's not getting that much respect in the market these days. Yeah, if you see Jimmy Graham catch like three passes on the first drive, just live bet the, the, the Packers, just do it. Because if, they're, if they have Jimmy Graham going, I mean, he's been like, – I, 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 would, I, I, would, I, would, I would focus more on a touchdown prop or like just a flyer yeah. on a first Oh, drive. no, no, I know, I know. I'm, I'm just saying, just like, just kind of kidding around. But, you know, I, 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 like if he has been so bad this year, it's, it's almost – he just can't move. I, I actually believe from watching them play that, that Robert Tanyan is their best pass catching tight end. Like I, with full confidence, I say that Robert Tanyan right now, as it stands, is their best pass catching tight end. Uh, you know, he plays maybe 20, 15, 20% of snaps. But. Yeah, you'll see Lewis and uh, you'll yeah, see he run blocking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, who you got for your uh, last pick? All right, for my last pick, I am going with the Kansas City Chiefs first half minus four and a half, five. We'll call it five. I took some four and a half out there. But we'll call five for the contest. Injuries, let me just cross off, by the way. Wiley, questionable. Texans, it looks like Fuller might go, but who knows? He's made of glass. So you never know with Will Fuller, but he obviously would be important to the Texans. Let me just put it this way. this There are certain, you know, I said that the buy has been historically overvalued, but here, you know, I don't follow trends blindly. I think the buy is huge because you have Andy Reid, who is 
awesome off of a buy. His staff just prepares really well. You know, if you go back in our, our database in 2003, here are the top three coaches against the spread after a buy. Two of them go this weekend. Mike McCarthy, number one, Cowboys fans, 10-2-1. and one. John Harbaugh, number two, 9-3, and 6-2 and two at home. And then Andy Reid, 11-6 and six against the spread after after a bye, six and three at home. And he is going against Bill O'Brien. So you're giving Andy Reid and his staff with extra time to repair against Bill O'Brien and his staff, which we've talked about many times, we're not a huge fan of. So obviously that's a big advantage. Look, it's a trend-type podcast for me, which I never have. Teams with same-season revenge in the playoffs, by the way. So you lost in the regular season, face them again in the playoffs, 55-39-5 and five against the spread over the past 20 years, about 58.5% against the spread. But look, you can say that the Texans – beat the Chiefs earlier this year in Kansas City. But Kansas City led that game 17-3. There was two turnovers. The Texans got two late touchdowns off them. But throw that game out. None, none of the important Chiefs played. And Tyreek Hill only played half the snaps. He was banged up. Mahomes was still banged up. Fisher, the left tackle, was out. Chris Jones, their best defender, was out. I mean, this was in the interior defensive line. This is a shell of the Chiefs. So I don't really take much from that game. This Texans defense is awful. I mean, it is just bad across the board. I think Mahomes is going to be able to pick it apart. You know, Watt is back, but he didn't show me that much last week. You know, Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson have played two playoff games together. In those two playoff games, they have been outscored 34-0 in the first half combined. 34-0. So I think the Chiefs come out, will out-scheme the Texans. Now, what happens in a lot of Chiefs games is they'll go up and they'll get really conservative and they can let teams back in the game. So would it shock me if Watson and company have a shot late? No. And, you know, if they hit a couple big balls, because if you look at this Chiefs defense, number one, it's been improved mainly against the pass. And they're number three in the NFL against deep passing, you know, but I will say Juan Thornhill, the rookie yes. safety, who had a pick that. in the first meeting, he's out for the season. And he's been great in coverage. And they have two top 20 coverage safeties with him and Honey Badger although both do struggle against the run. So now you're going to have Armani Watts filling in, sometimes Kendall Fuller when he's Kendall not in the Fuller, slot. Yeah. But the Texans will run a lot of, especially if Fuller's playing, they'll run a lot of three-receiver sets. So you'll have Fuller in the slot, and you'll have Watts back there. So this improved Kansas City defense that hasn't been giving up anything deep, maybe it, it is now without Thornhill back there, who was taking away a lot deep. I don't necessarily think they'll give up a lot deep. I think it actually uh, maybe counterintuitive if we might make them start giving up more underneath, especially they might have to put their those coverage linebackers that they've been trying to avoid by playing more, all those safeties in the first place because what they have done – uh, when Thornhill went down in that in week 17, they essentially went straight cover two, which means two deep safeties, whether it's man or zone, whatever, uh, and just have those two safeties back there. Usually it's man coverage with two safeties over the top. That's why they don't give up much. Um, and then they'll mix some split safety, and, and, and Thornhill was the only guy they really trusted to do that. So they might still not give up deep plays, but that, the whole reason they were playing like that was to protect their terrible coverage linebackers, give them more of a chance underneath. So either way, it, it's going to be bad, but I don't know if it's necessarily deep as, as much as it is just they might protect deep and just give up a ton, a ton underneath. It, it does open up the possibility of a blown assignment deep oh, yeah. for someone like a Hopkins or a Fuller to get, you know, if he plays yeah. to get beat and Watson hits him, and Watson will, will take his deep shots. Where I do think the Texans can have success is running the ball. And the first time they played, you know, they ran the ball 41 times for 192 yards. Now, Suggs wasn't there, and he's pretty good against the run now. He's not really great rushing the passer at his age. But, you know, Hitchens didn't play. Jones didn't play. That's big. But So their defensive line is a little better. But look, I mean, there's a reason that the Chiefs are, you know, if you look at DVOA, they're 29th against the run, 6th against the pass. 
their linebackers are brutal. I mean, there's 94 linebackers with at least 250 snaps. Here's where their linebackers rank against the run, 62nd, 83rd, and 87th. Their other edge edge rusher, I can never pronounce his name, Tanoz's first name. Kepinsion? Yeah, I'm, I, 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 I don't know that either. Asanyon, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. I, I always forget. I, I say it different every time. But he's 94th out of 94 edge rushers against the run. Frank Clark, not known for his run defense. Sorensen, who's been playing a lot more at safety, 93rd out of 94 safeties in run defense. Comes in for nickel, which I think the Chiefs will probably use a lot of. So, I mean, just across the board, this run defense. And then, you know, Honey Badger hasn't been great against the run. Dorno wasn't great against the run. So I think that they can move the ball on the ground, but it's going to be the Chiefs are going to force them to just move down the field efficiently. So Texans could do it at times, but it's going to be the Chiefs on the other end that are going to be hitting so many more big plays. Uh, the Texans can't cover them. They're not going to get pressured. This Chiefs offensive line is healthy now. Mahomes is healthy now. All of his weapons are healthy. There is just no one to cover these these weapons and they're not going to get pressure on Mahomes. And even when they do, Mahomes can get out of it. He's now his mobile self, his old mobile self. And I don't see the Texans really stopping the Chiefs much, especially early in the game, especially when the Chiefs are coming out with prep, out scheming Bill O'Brien. I think they jump out here early. Um, so I like the Chiefs first half. And I'm right with you, and I do think the the Texans uh, will have a chance late in the game. But, I mean, come on, like Deshaun Watson is sending 6 a.m. texts, let's be great, to his linemen and his offense. It's like, bro, don't don't wake me up at 6 o'clock to, to, to text me about this game. Like, like that's not – like, that shouldn't be how you get up for a game. Like, Bill O'Brien never has these guys ready to go uh, when these games start. It makes any – it makes betting on the Texans at pretty much any point – uh, just like a roller coaster. And, and just to put some numbers behind it, uh, in the first half this season, Houston allowing, uh, Houston scoring 9.5 points per game. That is 26th in the league, uh, whereas Kansas City is scoring 16.7. That is third in the league. Uh, and Houston also 18th uh, in terms of uh, allowing points in the first half at 11.8. Uh, and Kansas City ranks number six, uh, only 9.6. So uh, it, it is a mismatch in the first half. I think that's the safer bet because – Deshaun Watson, I don't know how he does it, man. But I mean, I do know how he does it. I've always been like, I'm, I'm. By the way, like this playoffs is just one of. I am so excited. I mean, we have Jimmy Garoppolo, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. You don't mention Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's everyone's guy. I'm not gonna claim Lamar. That wouldn't be fair. I'm, I'm not gonna claim Lamar. But I, I just mean from a personal brand okay. standpoint, like I'm excited. Like my guy Jimmy G's here. My guy Watson somehow is here. It's a, it's a new age of quarterbacks that that is upon us. And, and, yeah, I wouldn't count, count them out, but I, I do, uh, unfortunately, expect them to start slow. So I am with you there. Texans, bottom three in adjusted sack rate. Dead last in red zone defense in the NFL. Dead last, second to last in third down defense. I mean, Chiefs are going to get in the red zone, put up sixes, and they're going to keep drives. They're going to keep the sticks moving. And they're going to hit lots of explosive plays. I know a lot of people like Kansas City unders at home. No thanks on this under. Yeah, and and that and it did move up, and you know, it, it, I think it opened at forty nine, and it it has moved up, you know. And now, you know, I'll actually since you know we usually give it for the the games we don't talk about, which we'll jump into, and we'll talk about the uh, the, the Ravens Titans, which none of us has a pick for, but uh, just for this one, the over under is fifty one, and, and that opened at forty nine. Sixty percent of the bets, seventy four percent of the money on the over. Uh, the line also moved from uh, Chiefs eight to to Chiefs minus nine and a half. Fifty one percent. Uh, of the bets, 56% of the money uh, on KC. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to throw that in there. But, yeah, let's go into the best of the rest, which will be the Ravens-Titans matchup. 
tough teams to bet because some, I mean, the Ravens have just been so good lately, um, blowing pretty much everyone out. And then the Titans with Ryan Tannehill just continue to kind of defy expectation. Uh, right now, the line is Ravens by nine and a half, 54% of the bets, 52% of the money on Baltimore. Total dropped from 48 and a half to 47 as we record this Wednesday evening. 62% of the bets on the under, 79% of the money on the under, driving that one down. Uh, any initial thoughts on this one, Stuck? Oh, yeah. I'll try to keep it within three to four minutes. Injury-wise, Ravens are stupid healthy. Mark Ingram, will, I think he should go. He's the only one you really have to worry about. Titans, Dory Jackson, it's really an important injury. He's questionable, didn't practice today. And Jayon Brown, one of their best linebackers, he didn't practice today. Two important injuries to keep your eye on. Potential weather, too, which I think is driving this under down. Two heavy run teams. Um, and, you know, Titans are – really good against the run and the interesting thing here from a scheme perspective is Dean Pease the Titans defensive coordinator used to be the Ravens defensive coordinator went to the Super Bowl and Greg Roman the Ravens offensive coordinator used to be the 49ers offensive coordinator when they faced each other in the Super Bowl when it was Kaepernick versus the Ravens and 49ers had a ton of success offensively that game uh but Pease has seen this you know some similar type of offense with a mobile quarterback. And the Titans have done well against mobile quarterbacks this year. Uh, you know, held Josh Allen down, held Deshaun Watson. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is in a, a different stratosphere. As a Ravens fan, one of the things that I was happy to see with facing the Titans is that the Titans haven't played us before. And all these AFC teams, the Chiefs, the Texans, you know, the Patriots, they've all played the Ravens are in the year. So you have that advantage of seeing the Ravens once before. The Titans don't have that. So what happens when you play the Ravens? You don't play an offense like this. You're not used to Lamar Jackson's speed, and they hit you in the mouth. And then they go up, they get a lead, and then you can't run the ball. Teams only ran the ball 21 times per game against the Ravens on average. That's by far the fewest in the NFL. You can't run the ball. You're forced to pass. You're playing from behind. Then they blitz you, and they blitz 55% of the time, and they can man you up on the outside and get after the quarterback, make you one-dimensional. And then the other side, they just keep running the ball and then controlling the clock, and then it just gets worse and worse and worse. And your defense gets exhausted, and then it's over. Snowball effect. So can you stay in it early is the question. And that's probably what will determine this over-under. It'll determine who covers the game. Um, and I don't necessarily know if I know the answer. I mean, I would side with the Ravens from everything that I've seen so far. Um, but the Titans have been good against the run. And like I said, Pease has seen this. Um, they do have some some bulk up front. They do have some fast linebackers. But it's just this is a, a unique scheme. And they haven't seen it. And no one's really stopped it yet this year. Ravens are 18-3, and three, by the way, uh, with Lamar Jackson as a starter. So, you know, the, I, it's, it's going to come down to can the Titans slow down the Ravens early? You know, and I think the Ravens can hit some – their tight ends. The Titans do yeah. struggle. Kenny Vaccaro doesn't really cover well. So I think the tight ends are going to be a problem for the Titans as well. And the other side of the ball – and I think this line's about spot on. I make it right around 10. You know, and obviously huge home field, huge kicker advantage. Tucker in that stadium versus a guy who's yet to kick a field goal this season. Um, for the Titans or any team, which is amazing. And the Titans, look, they've been awesome in the red zone, but so have the Ravens. These are two best red zone offenses in the NFL, but Ravens are really good red zone defense. Titans are not. So I think the Ravens have an advantage there. And then if you get down to it, on the other side of the ball with Tannehill, he's amazing year, absolutely amazing year. His numbers with play action, and this is the play action bowl. These are two of the uh, top play action offenses in the NFL. Stupid good. And Tannehill's completion percentage is almost 10% higher, almost six yards per attempt higher with play action, almost 14 yards per attempt, league high 143.3 quarterback rating using play action. So, I mean, this guy is a guy who led the NFL in passer ratings, only one of three quarterbacks in NFL history to complete at least 70% of his passes with nine plus yards per attempt. However, he didn't face a single defense ranked in the top 10 in pass defense efficiency. 
not one during the regular season. The first one he did was New England last week, and he went 8 of 15 for 72 yards. So, you know, he did have the highest drop rate of dropbacks, holding the ball for two and a half seconds or more, about 64%. Part of that is the play action. But he did lead the league in quarterback rating in those situations. But again, he hasn't been playing elite secondaries, which the Ravens have. And because of that play action, because he holds the ball sometimes a little long, he's been sacked on a league-high 31% of dropbacks. Uh, So that's a lot. And the Titans offensive line, number 32 in the league in adjusted sack rate. Well, that's not great against the Ravens. The Ravens defense blitzes on 55% of down. So they should get to him a bunch. Wouldn't be surprised if they force a fumble, force a bad throw, a, a bad pick. So, you know, it's uh, – and on the other side, the Ravens are number one pass blocking efficiency unit at allowed a league low 77 pressures. 77, the next lowest is the Chiefs at 111. Both their tackles are top 10 in pass blocking grade of PFF and Stanley. They're all pro is number one. The Ravens are going to get a ton of pressure. So what this comes down to – and their corners can match up on the outside. I don't think there's any issues there. They can just man them up. What this comes down to is the Ravens' run defense against Henry and how good of a day can Henry have. He's on fire. He's close to 400 yards the past two weeks. The Ravens' run D, some of the season-long metrics don't look great, but dig a little deeper. The Ravens' run defense, when healthy on the defensive line, which means Brandon Williams, Pierce, and Pecco, who they signed, all play. They've allowed 4.0, 4.0 yards per carry. That's set, that would be seventh in the NFL. Without them, 27th. Look no further than the Browns game. Chubb, first time they met. They didn't have Pecco then. Uh, Williams sat out. He was hurt. The Browns ran wild, I think, for 200 yards. Second meeting, they ran like 20 times for 40 yards. They've also made some personnel moves at linebacker. They've used a lot less of Owasso, and, and they've used more of Josh Bynes. And, you know, they signed Josh Bynes and LJ Fort. They're using different personnel on safeties, and, and they've just improved their run defense a ton. The other thing to note is Henry is doing a lot of his damage on outside zone toss plays. He's averaging like six and a half yards per carry on those plays. Ravens defense only allows 3.4, one of the best in the NFL. They're really fast on the edges. So they're going to blitz. They're going to get the Tannehill. They're going to get a ton of pressure in the backfield. Their run defense has been a lot better because of Pecco and Williams and Pierce, that, that force in the middle. The question is, with Henry, can he get to the second level? Because the Ravens are blitzing. This is where the weakness would be. Can he break through? And if he does, he's going to go for 80 because you have Marcus Peters who wouldn't want to tackle my girlfriend running the ball. My wife, wife? I guess. Wife. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you want to edit that one out? Or, uh... Earl Thomas doesn't want to tackle anymore. So, you know, you saw that with the 49ers sometimes. When they got outside edge, Marcus Peters missed a tackle or Thomas missed a tackle. So can Henry break through? But I think the Ravens' run defense is a lot better than – most people are giving it credit for. It's all the personnel moves they made. It's a healthy Pierce. It's a healthy Williams. They're great against those toss outside zone plays. And look, one of the things the Titans have done so well, number one, score in the red zone, play action passing. But look, they haven't played great defenses. They haven't played great pass defenses. That outside zone run, all those things the Ravens can neutralize. But more than that, the Titans are just wearing teams down with Henry. Their second half, they're just blowing up. Because these defenses are tired of, of tackling Henry and the Titans of the ball. And, well, guess what? The Ravens control the ball better than any team in the NFL. That's not going to happen. The Ravens defense is not going to get tired here. The Ravens are, are as much of a ball control offense as any team in the NFL. So there's a lot of things working against the Titans here. Uh, again, huge field goal advantage for Ravens. Two excellent punters, which could help the under as well. That's my uh, eight-minute rant. The Titans have just kind of defied everything to the point where it's tough to feel confident about a bet, but I would lean Ravens and, and the under. And, you know, it's not just like all of those points and the Ravens, all of it, like their weighted pass DVOA, which again, it, just, it weights the most more recent games. So Marcus Peters is going to be factored in more. 
they're number one in, in weighted pass DVOA. They're number one in schedule adjusted efficiency against the pass. Well, they had Jimmy weight. Smith too for the first five weeks. So right, and, and the Patriots were number three. So you know, like now you're you're, you're putting Tannehill in a situation where you mentioned it. You know, they're gonna they're going to get they're gonna blitz and and kind of sacks are a possibility. He's also number uh, eight of the eight quarterbacks in, in the playoffs in terms of negative plays, which are sacks, interceptions, and fumbles. 12.4% of his plays, negative plays. So, uh, and then he's sixth and third down rate, only better than Rodgers and Wilson among these eight quarterbacks. So if, if the game is on Tannehill, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. And seeing how the Ravens have played this year, uh, you know, that's generally like, this is a tougher matchup. This is a tough matchup for the Titans. Uh, and I think the fact that the Ravens have tight ends, something the Patriots don't have, uh, does stress their defense a little more. Um, and, yeah, and- I mean, Rashawn Evans struggles in coverage too. They might not have Jayon Brown, their linebackers. So it's not... It, it's just not great. I think the Titans' offensive numbers are just a little inflated based on who they played. So I think Tannehill makes more mistakes here, in uh, which should be a raucous environment. This is a much better offense than the Patriots, a much better run defense than the Patriots, a much better quarterback than the Patriots. I mean, you name it. It's I mean, it's not even close. So I mean, Tannehill passed that test last week, but he didn't. He didn't do anything. So he's going to have to pass a test this week. I don't think he's ready to do it. And now it's time for our coaches' pep talk. And this week's pep talk is courtesy of. Omar Little of The Wire. I don't even want this, dog. Why not? It ain't what you're taking. It's who you're taking it from. You feel me? How you expect to run with the wolves come night when you spend all day spawning with the puppies? And we're going to go ahead and dedicate that one to the Tennessee Titans because, number one, we're talking be more here with The Wire. And number two, I think if anyone has it, the Ravens got it. So, Ryan Tannehill, see if you can do your thing again. And I'll close this game by saying, uh, reminding people out there that we are once again running our Fade Ravel promotion with our friends at PointsBet Sportsbook. Uh, this week, our colleague Darren Ravel taking under 0.5 rushing touchdowns for Lamar Jackson. So if you think Lamar Jackson will score a rushing touchdown and you do want to fade Darren Ravel, PointsBet has boosted the odds on over 0.5 touchdowns uh, from plus 110 to plus 150, their biggest odds boost so far. Personally, I think Lamar shows up and probably gets in the end zone uh, in this game. And uh, if you're interested in fading Ravel, just follow the link in this episode description for more details. All right, now let's get into our underdog money line parlay. All right, so, you know, we can be pretty quick here. Uh, I'll go with the Houston Texans. I totally agree. I think the Chiefs are a better bet first half. I think that they could end up getting conservative weight, and I think the Texans might start figuring things out uh, without, without Thornhill back there for the Chiefs. It might stress them in, in ways that uh, they just can't go, uh, account for with the Texans and all these weapons if Fuller's healthy. So uh, going with the Texans as my money line. You're not even going to mention we hit a 12 to 1 money line parlay last week. Ooh. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't realize I it was had the 12 Titans to 1. And you had the uh, Vikings. So we, we nailed the two upsets. Like now you're going, we don't agree on this other one because I know you're going to pick. But uh. yeah, well, I'm going with the Vikings. And uh, I already gave a lot of my reasonings. And uh, I'll just say, uh, I'll just end it with a story. 1987, the Vikings went to the Superdome in the wild card round and beat the Saints the next week against the 13 win 49ers. Quarterback Wade Wilson, as more than a touchdown underdog, went to San Fran and beat Joe Montana, who was benched for Steve Young, and the Vikings went to San Fran and won it. Repeat of 1987, the Vikings go out there, hand Jimmy G a loss in his first playoff start. Skull. 
<laughs> I mean, you just compared Jimmy G to Joe Montana, so I don't even need it. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that one. But By the way, yeah. go look up that game. There's like 19 Hall of Famers on that 49ers team that lost. It's one of the biggest upsets in uh, playoff. <laughs> and that does it for another episode of the Action Network podcast. Be sure to follow Stucky at Stucky2 on Twitter and me at Chris Raybon. And you can follow us by the same handles on the Action Network app, which as a reminder is a free app where you can get live odds, box scores, in-game win probabilities, and track every bet that you make. Keep it locked here on the Action Network podcast network. We will continue turning out college football episodes. We'll be back with the Fantasy Flex and of course uh, the NFL betting pod for next week's championship games. Until next time, let's get to Schmoney. Go Pack Go, go Ravens. We're finished talking.